Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Welcome to Quote Me, a weekly podcast that seeks to encourage, inspire, and lift you up to be all you were created to be. Words are powerful. Recognizing and celebrating the impact they have on our lives can comfort or challenge us, or both at once. I'm your host, Lindsay Schlegel, and I'm so glad you're here. Today, I hope we can honor the truth, beauty, and goodness of well-chosen language, and so glorify God. Let's begin. My guest today is Emily Stimson Chapman, Catholic author, wife, and mother to three under three. Three and under. Three, three and under. I think two weeks ago, we're now, I can't say under three, under three anymore. Now I have to say three, three, three and under. So. Okay. All right. Well, not quite well, as dramatic anymore. It's, it still looks pretty dramatic. It still feels pretty dramatic too. So. Um, well, thanks for hanging out today. I'm so excited. We're going to chat about a quote from Flannery O'Connor. Yeah. I suppose half the work of writing is overcoming the revulsion you feel when you sit down to do it. Can you tell me where you found that quote, how it, how it strikes you, how it encourages you, how it challenges you? Yeah, so I found that when I was reading, it was her, her letters and it was years ago. Um, I don't know how, maybe 15 years ago. And I felt so seen by that quote <laughs> because as a writer, like you have all these ideas jumbling around in your head, jumbling around in your head. But when you actually have to sit down and write and start getting it out, that can be the hardest thing. And you want to read the internet or you want to clean your house or you want to call a friend or sit and you know find a book to read there's suddenly a very fascinating book you need to read the hardest part is just sitting down to it because who you know sometimes like who am I like I'm just a person struggling along what do I have to say to you how, what how am I qualified to talk to you about this like how do I put it's just a yeah between feeling not qualified or prepared and actually having to do it because it's hard work it's, it so hard. yeah, I felt it, seen. It's very, it's isolated for a while, which is which is hard because you wonder what what will anyone think of this, and then you actually start to reach out and see what other people think of this, and it's yeah. challenging in a whole new way. It is, and you know, when I first started writing, um, I was when I started first started writing professionally, I was mostly doing reporting and stories for Franciscan University or copy for Franciscan. And all I had to care about was what does my, my boss think? What does my editor think? And so I functioned that way for a long, long time, even after I started doing writing books or writing, you know, other things, I'd be like, well, as long as my editor is happy, what do I care? 
and I still actually don't pay much attention. Like I don't read reviews. I never ever read reviews. If I write something that's published online, not on one of my social media accounts, I don't read comments because yeah, I, it's hard enough to write and send things off into the world. I don't, because one bad thing will ruin, ruin my day. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it can make you doubt the next thing you're going to do. Yeah. It's like watching, doing TV interviews. I refuse to ever watch myself on a video or TV interview. I've never watched once anything I've done on television. Cause if I did, I would be paralyzed the next time I went to do it. And we'll be like, don't sound stupid this time, Emily, don't make that face. So the only way I can be free to really like write and, and talk to people is never to listen to interviews, not, to, not yeah. to read too many interviews, not to read reviews, just to be as detached as possible. But how do you think you, how did you know that you were called to write? Because before you were writing, you were doing different work. Yeah, I worked in politics for the first, um, so when I first uh, graduated from college, I went to DC, I worked in politics. I did a lot of writing in short. Sure, sure. So, you know, if you can actually write coherent sentences and use punctuation, or punctuation and grammar correctly, people are like, ooh, we have a job for you. So <laughs> we have new work for you, woman. Here, I know we hired you to do this, but do this. So that was a lot of my time in DC was actually writing. Um, and maybe in the back of my head, I thought it would be fun to be a writer, but I didn't know how to pursue that. Um, I didn't think that was a practical career path. So when I left DC, I went to Steubenville to Franciscan University to get a master's in theology. And I think I thought I would become a professor. I thought I would teach and maybe I would write something as a professor. But uh, I started a blog. This was like 9,000 years ago. And <laughs> blogs were new and there was like 10 Catholic blogs. So I got a lot of attention because I had this blog thing. Right. And I got invitations from editors to start writing. So I took them up on it and pay, you know, helped pay my way through grad school. Yeah. And then the opportunities just kept coming. So I don't really feel like I set out to become a writer. I just sure. walked through the doors that God opened. I think that often is the way that our we find our vocations and our callings. Like we do the next I can steal a line from Frozen Two, which is weird. You just do the next right thing. I've heard Frozen Two say it. I've heard Henry Nowen say it. It's true in both situations. Sometimes do what's in front of you, right? Yeah. If you have your heart in the right place, if you're sacramentally in a good place, if you're in touch with God, as even if you're not hearing Him directly through a text message or something, right? If you're if your your heart is in that open place, then it is just the next thing and the next thing. And right. Catherine Doherty, yeah, Catherine Doherty talks about the duty of the moment, which I love. So like, what is in front of you? What is the right thing to do? What is God putting in front of you? Just doing that with love and service to God. If it's changing a diaper, if it's writing a fundraising letter, if it's, you know, what mowing the lawn, whatever the duty of the moment is, you do it. And so writing for me has always been one of the duties of the moment. God just doesn't give me a chance to, to really catch a break. So he's like, more writing, more writing. I know I just keep giving you babies, but more writing too. <laughs> so. um, but that's such an act of trusting God just to do, okay, I'll take this thing. I don't understand necessarily how it's going to lead to what you want, but I'll just keep doing it. Um, but so much of your writing now has turned into writing for the faith and to encourage, um, encourage people. And your, the book, um, your most recent book, Letters to Myself from the End of the World, is encouraging me like crazy. Um, I am so inspired by the way you're looking back on your life, but 
you're in the present moment, but you're looking back at the same time. Um, and where I'm in my life is kind of in between those two points. Um, and I think we all need that reflection and it, it's, you need to slow down a little bit. And the introduction you say to read it just a little bit at a time. Mm-hmm. And part of me is like, okay, okay, well, Emily's going to be on the podcast. So I'll, I'll kind of read it maybe a little quicker. And I can't because you've got to sit with each one um, and just see where, see where your heart goes with it and, and spend some time with it. Yeah, there's a lot. I was kind of, I was like a fire hose with that one. I'm like, let's talk about all the things. <laughs> I was like, I can't not put this letter in. I can't not put this letter. And they're short. So it re- it actually reads quickly, which, you know, it's yeah. not like it feels like it's a long book. But yeah, there's a lot of, I cover a lot of ground in it. I cover a so lot of ground. It seems like this was a book that you felt like you needed to write, obviously, like to yourself and for other people. But how do you, did, did something change for you as you were writing it? Um, I mean, I think what was interesting is when I started it, it was just writing to myself was just a device. Like there was all of these things that I wanted to say and I wanted to say it in a way that felt friendly and accessible and approachable and personal. And so, oh, let's write letters to my younger self. That sounds like that'll be fun. But what I found as I went through the book was one, how healing it was, like how much you see God's grace at work in your life when you can step back. Um, Just taking myself back to moments where I was having certain struggles or there were certain experiences. It was, um, yeah, it was very spiritually fruitful to look back at 20 years of God, God's hand in my life, moving things and very slowly, 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 you know, helping me come along and overcome certain struggles or get better at dealing with certain struggles. So yeah, it was a real grace to write the book. And it's so hopeful because it gives you that, well, okay, this has happened and I can, I can take this with me knowing that he's still doing this. He's still moving. He hasn't stopped. Um, I think sometimes, you know, blessed are those who, who haven't seen and yet believed. And in my life, I have seen, there have been ways that God has worked in my life in ways that have been very tangible. Um, and I believe before then, and I believe after then, but sometimes, I mean, I guess it, it's great to have faith if you don't have those experiences. Um, but if you do, then we need to use them in a way that helps, helps us deepen our faith and keep going and share it with other people. Um, you know, I talk at one point in the book about the, um, Oh gosh, what did I call it? No, I'm having a blank. I'm having a, my children are teething and up all night movement. Um, <laughs> litany of the hidden God. <laughs> and how, when I was really struggling to see where God was in, in my present and I'd be like, all right, God, why do you seem silent? Why aren't you talking to me? Why are you not answering me? I would look back to other times in my life and when God had seemed silent and start recounting all of the fruits and the graces that had come during that period to me. And so by looking for God in the past, we can sometimes find him in the present. And the book was kind of one big exercise in that. Um, so how do you think you can relate this, this idea of knowing you need to write, but kind of not wanting to sit down to do it because it's scary. I think there's a lot of parallels between that and, and our faith life. Like it goes beyond the calling to be a writer. I think that I can see just being a Catholic, being a Christian, following Jesus. There are things that you know you should do but they're so hard um, kind of to get your feet moving under you and to do them. Do you feel like you've, you've experienced some of that too, or just in, in living out your Catholic life, there are things that you know you should do, but it's just hard. Like, how do you, 
Yeah, when we need to apologize to someone, when we need to ask for forgiveness, when we yeah. need to go to confession, when we need to, you know, do the charitable act, we know somebody is in need and we need to reach out, but it would be so much nicer to like, just watch whatever's on, you know, whatever you can stream to your television that night. No, I think we're always having to, it's, it's a question of the virtues. So doing, ju- you know, justice where we're going to do the good fortitude is, you know, continuing to do the good and temperance and prudence, like recognizing what the good is. So all of those, all those virtues come into play in the life of faith. And yeah, doing the good is always hard. We're falling creatures. And our tendency is to want to be like my three-year-old and, you know, dump our toys on the ground and not share and go dig in the hole for as long as we want, you know. (laughs) And hope there's a popsicle at the other side of that. (laughs) I I mean, I don't want to dump my toys out, but but you know same same thing applies yeah but there is still that impulse of this would be easier and maybe just mm-hmm. especially when I think you are doing good things and you are focused on I don't know we all get burnt out right mm-hmm. we all get tired and jaded and when you're a toddler it's just more socially acceptable to express that yeah as you get older <laughs> you know sometimes I'll have a kid crying in line in the grocery store or something and I'll say loud enough for people to hear me we all feel like this right now you're just the mm-hmm. only one who's kind of allowed to do something about it I know I say that to Toby all the time like mommy wants to do this too trust me mommy's having a hard time but we have to learn how to control our emotions so yeah we're all still learning it all of us we'll keep on learning it I mean it's a lifetime thing which it's you know I don't want anyone who reads the book to ever feel like oh Emily had all these struggles then but she's so wise now because Honestly, when you read the book, that's like sane me writing to insane me. Like there's the sane day, Emily, and there's the insane day, Emily. And we all need that voice in our head. And I think that's one of the things I wanted people to take away from the book. Like throughout the Christian life, you are going to struggle to do the right thing. You are going to struggle to love Christ. You are going to struggle to respond properly and process anger and outrage and injustice and difficult babies. All of that you're going to struggle with. But you have to be the grown up voice in your head telling you like this you can okay I know you want to act this way but Jesus is asking you to act a different way it's like when you're up late at night and you know you need to go to bed I'll always in my head be like okay what would I do if I were look if I were to look at the grown-ups would put me to bed I have to put myself to bed I have to be the grown-up and put myself to bed and we have to do that in the life of faith we have to be the grown-up and help ourselves respond properly so that's just my good voice talking to the like crazy Emily. Yeah. Yeah. But but I think it's comforting kind of as an adult to realize that all the other adults are still trying to do that too, or at least the ones who are trying. But no one, we haven't all figured it out. And I think when we're little, even maybe when we're young adults, um, it's easy to look at people who are older and think that they have figured all of it out. Um, and it's comforting to know that no one has. I don't know. I think that's something I hear, but I needed to experience it to really understand. Like, it's okay that I'm struggling with stuff. It's okay that I can look back at my life and say, I really should have done that differently. Like, all of that is okay. Jesus knows all that. Right. And it makes you so much more merciful to other people because, yeah. you know, I, I've seen people who really struggle with 
their parents, let's say, you know, and how mistakes their parents made. I've watched my mom gets mad about things my grandpa did when she was a little girl. And be like, mom, grandpa was in his twenties then. <laughs> like he was like a 26 year old man with five kids under the age of seven. Like you have to, like, you have to go there, mom, because Pretty much, she'll be like, he was not the same man when he was your grandfather, when he was my father. I'm like, right. He right, was in his exactly. 50s. <laughs> like, right. he grew up. So just learning to give compassion to, to other people, recognizing how much other people are struggling and they don't have it together, no matter how much it looks like. Like, I just assume struggle. Like, that's yeah. just my general assumption of all people is everyone is struggling. And, you know. Yeah. Cool. And that's where all those, the, the uncharitable things come from hurt and pain. I think you have a chapter, I think, called Assume Brokenness. Yeah. 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 And we can accept that in ourselves and accept it in other people. There's a line in the litany of trust I love. It says something like, help me to um, accept forgiveness and to forgive others. I think often in the Christian life, we say we need to forgive other people. We need to put that out, right? And even if they're not going to accept it, even if they don't apologize, we have to forgive them. But we also have to accept it when someone forgives us. And that can be harder because it's not something we think about as much, but both, like you're saying, both of those things work together and they make us more charitable. And then hopefully they make us better people and better followers of Christ. Uh, well, we are just about out of time. That went fast, um, but I'm very grateful to have some time to spend with you and talk about this book. I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, but thanks for hanging out with me today. Oh, it's so nice to meet you over the computer. Maybe we'll get to person someday. That would be great. <laughs> Friends, as always, to suggest a quote or a guest, follow the show on Instagram, quote me underscore podcast, or contact me in my website, lindsayschlegel.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast, leave a review wherever you find your shows, and tell a friend. Until next time, God bless you. This is Kevin O'Brien of EWTN's Theater of the Word. I'm excited also to teach middle school and high school literature, speech, and drama with homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider. Your student can meet with me online for a live, interactive class. Whether you take apologetics with John Martinoni or grade school with Jackie De La Viaga, or any of the other 400-plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, online Catholic learning for your homeschooling family is available for you.